The views expressed on this podcast are those of the participants, not of Reuters News. 因此，完全有信心、有条件、也有能力完成全年经济社会发展预期目标任务。That was fooling way. A spokesman for the Chinese National Bureau of Statistics saying that there is confidence that China can meet its economic and social goals for the year. However, growth in the world's second-largest economy looked far from convincing in the second quarter, and is the focus of this week's Views Room. Welcome back to the Views Room, a podcast from Reuters Breaking Views, where columnists from around the world talk about the big stories of the week. I'm your host, Amy Donlan, coming to you from London. China's economy is stalling. In the second quarter of the year, GDP growth was just 6.3 percent, a full percentage point below what a Reuters consensus had expected. A shaky property market explains the miss, but there is more going on. Here to talk to me about the health of the world's second-largest economy is our Asia editor Unigalani and Yaowen Chen, our expert in all things China. Yuna and Yaowen, you are very welcome back to the views room. Thanks, Amy. Great to be here. So, Yaowen. There was a bit of maybe a bit of a surprise earlier this week when it looked like China's post-COVID recovery was faltering. So we'll put this obviously in context. China is the economy is very much growing, but just not as healthily as people had expected. Could you tell us what is going on? What is disappointing investors? Yeah, I think there was this expectation that China's,、um, you know. Pandemic reopening rally、uh, recovery has kind of started to fade ever since April, but still people were expecting、uh, much higher growth in the second quarter. Partly because、uh, if you remember what was happening last year, this time you know major cities like Shanghai was going into lockdowns, and you're really looking at a very low base from last year. So、um, I think when people saw the headline numbers coming at 6.3, there was this like. Hot plunging moment where you know, oh well, maybe it's worse than people were expecting.、Um, so if you look look at some of the subcategories of the numbers,、um, unsurprisingly, you know, real estate, which is very important to the economies, like one quarter of GDP, it's still in a deep slump, and retail sales has slowed from、um, above twelve percent in May to about three percent. Um, so, so, so a lot of the things I think, if you like, look at the Jan to June figures, they are quite worrying in terms of、uh, whether the government could comfortably reach the five percent growth target this year.、Um, but that said, I think what's also surprising is that some of the other numbers、um, are not as bad, partly because of the expectations are already low. For example, industrial output I think is slightly better. Uh, it's about four、um, percent, and if you look at fixed asset investment, it's also slightly better than people's expectations. But again, they're also trading at a relatively low levels compared to China's historic levels. So I think maybe if we can zero in on this this sort of property element of this, and Yuna, if I could bring you in here, I mean, it's sort of interesting, isn't it? Because there is a bit of a crackdown on. You know, leverage and all of that that Xi Jinping has been leading into the property market, but then it is also, you know, maybe it's similar to the UK. A big part of the economy is the property market. So what what has been going on with with Chinese property? Well, look, I think the really interesting thing here is that everyone says that 
China needs stimulus to prop up its economy. I think most economists still believe that China can grow five, its GDP 5% this year, but I think confidence in that number is starting to falter a little bit. But but, but when they everyone says that they that China needs to stimulate to prop up the economy, but what it glosses over is the fact that a lot of the restrictions that were put in place that has sort of caused this slump were sort of deliberate by design. So, for example, as you as you know, the property sector is really important to China's economy. It accounts for one quarter of GDP. Similarly, we have like investments by local government financing vehicles into big infrastructure projects. That's been another big driver of growth. But a lot of that was sort of, you know, is now seen as like speculative growth, you know, uh, is, is a type of growth that has delivered really miserable returns. And also, you know, China's aging population doesn't need so much of this new infrastructure and a kind of a big housing glut. So really, China is at this point in its development cycle where it kind of needs to boost consumption. And the problem is, is that it the obvious way of doing that at the moment is to stimulate the economy, shore up confidence. Uh, a lot of consumers in China seem to be quite battle scarred by what has happened. I mean, Xi Jinping has really been, you know, on this big campaign over the last few years to try and rebalance the economy away from these two traditional growth engines, property and, and sort of infrastructure-led kind of investment, and towards new ones and towards consumption. But the problem is, is that you've also got these successive crackdowns, which effectively, you know, on everything from both property and these and the local government debt, but also on things like e-commerce. There's now like quite an entrenched perception that the private sector and private entrepreneurship is not valued in China, certainly not as much as state uh businesses and so all of that amounts to a really tricky situation it's a real test of Xi Jinping's nerves especially with exports falling in June I think the most since the pandemic began I you know she, the, the real dilemma for China is you've made some progress in trying to rebalance the economy it's come at the cost of this growth figure that everybody is fixated on is that still the measure of success that China is marching to? Yao will probably be able to answer that better. But how do you prop up confidence of consumers, particularly in property, which is such a you know such an important sector, at a time without yeah, think, sort of bringing back you know these 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 bad behaviours that you don't really want? Sorry, Yao. Yeah, no, no. I think I just want to add that I, I think also compared to you know, the West, uh, you see during the pandemic, the governments in the US, in Europe, they've been given a lot of cash handouts, right? So th there is suddenly this helicopter money for a lot of households in those countries. And, and traditionally, they've been very reliant on credit cards and everything. Whereas I think in China, for one, there's this tendency of um, putting everything to savings because of, you know, there's this worry about general social safety net. And I, I think that is significantly weakened for one during the pandemic where, where everyone realized that they they need better health care and everything. And uh, secondly, I think the Chinese government traditionally has been subsi subsidizing more towards exporters and manufacturers. Um, they don't tend to directly subsidi subsidize households. And there's been a huge debate over uh, how much China should give cash directly into individuals. Um, we So far, we haven't seen 
um, much of that happening except for a very small amount of you know consumption vouchers and here and there. Uh, so 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 we're really not looking at a, a big savings pot in China where uh, they they have the foundation to really fill a lot of consumption rally that we saw after the big reopening in other markets. And what is your what is what is Xi Jinping and the government kind of saying? Are they saying anything about stimulus in in the way that you're talking about for to sort of help with people who own properties and can't pay mortgages or whether it's the actual businesses themselves? I think there is a lot of um, effort right now, for example, to address what you know is saying. You know that this this confidence problem for private business, right? Like you saw all these crackdowns on uh, Jack Ma on. Uh, you know, the tech sector in general, which has traditionally been a, a big growth driver and in, employer for uh, college students or white collar jobs. So the, the new premier, Li Chang, he's been uh, talking to the pri- private sector a lot. He's been, I think that there's a lot of signaling that the crackdown is at the end. You know, um, most recently we saw Ant Financial, um, Ant Group, they it was founded by Jack Ma and he had this explosive growth over microfinancing and it was on the verge of you know, IPO in 2020 and it was halted. Um, they've just been fined heavily, but that's also, uh, I think, a sign that the, the big crackdown one after another is coming to an end. But whether that's enough to you know, get people to think that, oh, it's now it's a great time to invest again. Um, we we are faced with the same kind of uh, promising business prospects. I think that's that's still in question mark. Mm. And you were yeah, writing, I think, yeah, oh, sorry, go ahead. You know, go ahead. Yeah, I think, it, I think if you look like, you know, I mean, the, the sort of Chinese indices speak volumes. I mean, the, the Hong Kong's Hang Seng is down this year. China's benchmarks are down this year. Um, you know, you look at like other places in the world, Japan, US, uh, even India, they're up like high single double digits. So it's a really like, you know, that there is a sort of sense that of doom and gloom. And I think China also is trying to now uh, send better messages or less mis- mixed messages to global investors, and it's it's actively trying to court them. I think they've they're they're calling big global investors to a summit this week uh, on Friday. It's quite quite a rare uh, uh, occasion, and I think they really want to try and convince people to that China is a is a place to invest again. But I think. Um, you know, it's a bit of a chicken and egg. Without the stimulus, people are less likely to put their money into China because the US offers so much better returns. And that in turn becomes like another confidence drag. And is there like a waiting game kind of going on here where almost like if China does meet its target, it doesn't, it can prove that it doesn't need stimulus. And if it misses it, is that the time then that you would expect them, which would obviously be quite a, quite a ways away from where we are now, for them to start doing stimulus? Well, I think the GDP target for one is a very unique thing that you probably only see in China, right? You don't see the US or Europe making too much of a big deal out of a target. But um, traditionally, play a very important role in deli- making sure the local officials deliver their economic um, results uh, because it's such a massive country. But I think ever since last year, there was this weakened connection of, uh, you know, the government says we're going to deliver this um, and they end up delivering it because last year 
the government significantly missed their target because of the renewed COVID uh, outbreak and there's all these lockdowns. So this year, even at the start when when the GDP target was set, the it was rather disappointing because I think people were expecting a lot more. Um, but it just shows you, for one, the government is comfortable with longer term slower growth, um, which has been the case where if you've followed uh, Xi's speech over the years, he doesn't seem to be in agreement with, you know, high growth, but what's the quality of that growth, right? Like Yuna said, it, it might just be more money, wasteful money into investment that people don't need. Um, but but I think what has really mattered for China is um, unemployment, because the government, the, the last thing the government wants to see is social instability, where you have 10 million college uh, graduates coming out of door and they're out of jobs and you have lots of troubles on the street and everything. So that, that's why um, one indicator is has in particular raised concern, which is youth unemployment. That's that's the uh, jobless rate for the age group between 16 to 24. Right now it's about, uh, it's I think it has edged higher to about 21%. That means like one out of five people in that age group in China is out of a job. Um, and there is a debate of, you know, how precise and accurate the number is. And uh, grantedly, like, uh, granted, there, there are countries elsewhere, I think they have even higher use rate, uh, use unemployment rate. Like, I think India is, is probably a bit higher at 25% or around there. Um, but still, I think that is probably the deal breaker if we see Beijing really get into action is if they see huge amount of pressure on the unemployment front. But the, the issue is that right now, if we look at the overall unemployment rate, it's still re relatively flat from last month. It's around 5.2%. So that's why I don't think the government is very still very concerned. But there's a risk of them sleepwalking into some kind of deeper recession when, you know, suddenly mm -hmm. everything loses momentum. I mean, a lot of I mean, comparisons at the at the moment, Amy, are obviously being made to Japan's last decade. You you have a situation where Japan had, you know, a period of very, you know, from the 90s really onward, really big slowdown in growth, uh, stagflation. And that was a really difficult period, which China doesn't want to emulate. This idea that if China doesn't stimulate or leaves it too late, uh, you know, uh, gets, you know, sort of has a, has a, has a sharper slowdown, uh, doesn't stimulate, and then uh, and then people and then it just can't get out of this rut and it faces sort of a, a decade of like low growth and it's you know and that's quite damaging for China because China is on the cusp of like is you know it's a, it's a high middle income country and it's on the cusp of sort of making that leap and if it can't uh, if it can't grow then it then it won't be able to do that but I mean I think Yawen maybe can talk a little bit about what controls China has to avoid perhaps falling into such a slump i mean i think china's economy is has china's china has much more control over its economy than japan did and i think that means that it should be able to avoid such a sort of terrible outcome so some of the uh, I, I guess solutions um proposed by some of the economists who have looked extensively at what happened in japan like um 
you know, Nomura economist Richard Koo, who famously brought up this idea of balance sheet recession. He has been advocating for a lot more fiscal spending. Um, the government has to really ramp up their spending, maybe on you know non-wasteful investments. But anyway, they need to expand it. They need to expand their balance sheet and get the investment cycle going, uh, pull up the credit uh, in, in the economy. But that is just that is just something I think it takes a, a giant leap of faith given the local government. Uh, that situation that has, you know, that has has really rolled up um, after the global financial crisis. China has already done its massive stimulus back then, and is still arguably suffering from some of the consequences, right? Like even this week, I think we saw some local news report about this small city in China where they built this really fancy high-speed rail um, connection and. It just never really used much, mm-hmm. and they just just still suffering from a refinancing um, problem and and a debt overhand. So, I th- I felt the real the, the problem for China is that it, it wants to move away from all these traditional drivers, but how does it find a new driver that is more sustainable, that is better um, helps China in terms of increasing uh, productivity, which is I think still pretty far away from some of the developed countries like Germany and the States it is really key. And I think some of the bright spots that Chinese policymakers been uh, mentioning is, you know, electric vehicle, um, some of the new energy, new energy space um, that, that China is really leading the world and green investment. But how much those could really offset the big slumping property infrastructure? That's that's still a question. I was just going to say, I, mean, I think it, it seems as well, though, that there is like a much bigger issue, right, facing China, which is that it's moving on from this phase, from being a developing country into the phase that the US and Germany and all those countries are, and all of the problems they face, which is like trying to stimulate growth, having sort of an aging population, that all of those sorts of issues are there. So there is no sort of easy answer to any of these problems. Would you, Una, agree yeah, with that sort of? I, I mean, I, I, well, yeah, to some extent. I mean, China is moving from a middle income to it's on the cusp of, of making that leap to high income. And that is the that would be the holy grail. But I think I think Yawin hits the nail on the head, really. I think, you know, if if, if the if the she can continue down his path without having social instability that, you know, obviously youth unemployment is sort of flashing red high youth unemployment is a flashing red indicator. If you can kind of continue down this path of rebalancing, someone sooner or later will have to hold their nerve in China to do that if you want to restructure the economy. And that's the big, that's just the big, really fascinating thing here. How long can can China hold its nerve if, if, it, if it is going down the right track? How long can it continue to do that? Very interesting. Well, I'm sure lots more to talk about. Um, Yawen, Yuna, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for having me. Thanks for tuning in. This podcast was produced by Oliver Tashtich in London. Subscribe to The Views Room and our sister podcast, The Exchange, on Apple Podcasts, Megaphone, or wherever you like to listen. I'm Kim Vanell. Join me every morning for a roundup of what's happening at home and around the world. From the front line in Ukraine. Extraordinary how these people adjust and uh, even laugh when you take cover. 
to the heart of U.S. politics. When Trump said that he expected to be arrested, it seems like he was trying to get ahead of the story. We bring you everything you need to know in 10 minutes. For your essential daily briefing, follow Reuters World News wherever you get your podcasts.